Gone. The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Pod- on, on the air. The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod, pod, podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. If you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, 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 The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 896 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Uh, if you are just joining us, man, you missed out on a lot of horror movie talk before. Yeah. Uh, this is a general conversation uh, uh, episode, and so there was a lot of general talk about uh, what horror movies we're watching during the month of October. Ashley has made some fantastic suggestions. Uh, Matthew and I talked about the Vavavitch a little bit. Um, uh, Rodrigo is is talking about the Babadook, and so uh, man, there's a lot of of great horror movies that you can go check out. But you need to go and listen to the Major Spoilers pre-show, which you can only get when you become a patron at Patreon.com/slash/MajorSpoilers. If you listen to the pre-show, you'll also hear a little voice in the background. One Jason Inman joining us this week. Hello, Jason. Hello. Thanks for coming on. We've got a we've got a lot of stuff that we're going to get through today. But I wanted to ask you a question. If you don't mind going a little bit behind the scenes, you don't have to talk about who you're working for, or what shows that you're working on. But the yeah. last time you were on, we were talking about the writer's room. Yes. And I'm curious because since the pandemic, your writer's room has been virtual. That's and so correct. I, I'm curious, what is, and again, for people that don't know everything that goes on behind the scenes of a TV show or a movie or anything like that, what is writer's room like pre-pandemic? And what has writer's room been like during pandemic? Um. Well, the writer's room pre-pandemic was you know we'd all go into the office our office was in beverly hills um you know generally you do uh, everybody would go into a conference room around like 10 a.m and there'd be all these whiteboards we had as many whiteboards as you could have and you would talk about either whatever you needed to talk about that day whether it was the specific episode or the season then you'd have a little bit hour of lunch and then the rest of the afternoon would continue until uh, usually either the showrunner or the co-showrunner gets tired of talking, which usually happens somewhere around 5 or 5.30. Um, and then everybody goes home. Uh, usually the virtual ones are just everybody hops on Zoom, and then one assistant takes notes, and then another assistant runs. Uh, we do it through Trello, which is a really cool to-do mm-hmm. program, and mm-hmm. that becomes the virtual board, basically all the whiteboards. And um, people talk over Zoom. Uh, But I find that over Zoom, we talk for less than we did in the room because generally we generally meet either late morning or after lunch. Usually a lot of times our show will just be like, "Ah, we'll just meet after lunch. And um, but it's generally less talking. I, I, I think the creative bouncing of ideas back and forth is definitely less virtual. Do you think that I'm curious, do you think as your group do you think you're getting more done or less done that you're virtual? Uh, I think we're definitely getting less done, but mm. I will say that we haven't, that's not to say that like we haven't kept, we haven't maintained. We're still like putting out the same number we were always putting out, Sure, but it just seems to be a little bit slower. And I think that might just be because my unconscious brain is like, well, I don't get to see, I can't just go yeah. walk over to another writer's office and be like, Hey, where's that draft? Yeah, no, no, I'm not, I'm not implying that the Jason and his entire writer's room that he's working with are slacking in the That's time right, of COVID. CBS. We are not, we work just as hard, yes. every hard, all they the hard, are working all CBS the hards. Hard. <laughs> That's and, a weird phrase. But I'm just curious because I know that, Um, I can see it with my kids, uh, when they were at home, uh, you know, for stay at home school that their productivity kind of slipped off kind of a little bit. 
and it took a couple of weeks at the start of the semester to get back into being back in around other people and getting back into that. And I know that, you know, so many other websites and so many other podcasts have also suffered because they can't get together and do their normal things like they've done. And so I was just curious, uh, Ashley and I talk a lot on Finally Friday about, you know, what's going on in Hollywood and how things are starting to get back into um, into the swing or it sounds like Ashley not getting back into the swing. Uh, and so I was just curious about writer's rooms and how that was was going for shows that were, you know, waiting you to know, get approval to move forward. It, honestly, the the thing I, I I've said to Ashley, I've said this to Ashley a couple of times. I actually think the one thing writers, I think, especially in television and film, I think we will go back to offices. I think that's definitely going to happen. But I will say that I could see future writer rooms maybe not going to the office every single day of the week Ooh. going forward because mm -hmm. there are certain times in a production schedule where you don't have to go to the office if enough people are on script. Mm -hmm. um, so I could see us like I could see it maybe going to like a four day or a three day in office and two days virtual or something like interesting. that. Interesting. Interesting. But you've got a long time before you go back to the office, right? Like oh, next yeah. summer I've, or I've something? I've I've already been told that we at the earliest are not going back to offices until like March of next year. Wow. 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 Have you so that then Ashley and I had a really great conversation. Everybody should go watch this past week's finally Friday where Ashley and I were talking about the huge schedule move that Disney and others have done pushing their schedules to 2021, 2022 and how smaller uh, movies like Bill and Ted's um, um, face the music and Kevin Smith's uh, movie and bloodshot and all these really had a chance to make up their money by going directly to streaming. And we were talking about this smaller model where maybe you fund the 10 to $50 million movies and they're going to be able to make their money back in the uh, streaming media market. Whereas the big tent poles probably aren't going to do so well going direct to video first. And then today, I don't know if you guys followed this, uh, Disney announced a reorganization of their entire company to focus uh, the streaming services in the front, in the forefront of everything. So Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus are front and center of their new global distribution plan, where... Uh, Pixar, Marvel, uh, Lucasfilm, 20th Century Fox, and Walt Disney Studios go under the studio banner. General Entertainment is grouped together that includes uh, Disney's TV operations, 20th Century Television, ABC News, FX, and National Geographic, and then the sports stuff, which is ESPN and all related stuff. Uh, but basically, in a statement, Bob uh, Chapek said, given the incredible success of Disney Plus and our plans to accelerate our direct-to-consumer businesses, we are strategically positioning our company to more effectively support our growth strategy and increase shareholder value Managing content creation distinct from distribution will allow us to be more effective and nimble in making the content consumers most uh, want most delivered in a way they prefer to consume it. And Ashley, if that doesn't sound like a vindication of everything we've been talking about these last couple of weeks. More Star Wars is what that means. Yeah, probably. Do you guys have <laughs> any reactions to that? Because this is I, I, kind of got a little bit of chatter on our major spoilers discord today. People talking about, oh, my gosh, what does this mean for Disney if they're really making a pivot to focus on streaming and not uh, not their big movies. And I don't think that that's what they're doing. I think they're just saying, hey, we need to maybe look at smaller budgeted things and send those direct to to streaming. Uh, I have a, I have some thoughts on that. Yeah, go ahead. First off, first off is uh, restructuring always means that a bunch of people are going to lose their jobs. Yeah, they already laid off 28,000 not too long ago when the merger went through. 
I, I think we're going to get a whole bunch more, which which I'm sorry to for all those Disney employees that are going to be uh, out of a job facing the holidays. Uh, the second thing is, is that um, I, to- I think this is a short term strategy. I think this is Disney looking at their bottom line and saying we can't wait for COVID and we can't right. wait for COVID to be over. So. It, I, it was funny that you brought this up, Stephen, because I was literally before the podcast looking up the numbers of like the most watched things over VOD and streaming mm-hmm. in the month of September. Mulan is number five. Mulan yeah. is like the fifth most watched thing on VOD. So I think with them having no theatrical strategy right now and seeing that Mulan actually didn't do that bad, I think they were like, OK, we got to focus on Disney Plus for the immediate future. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me, but I also think that when you look at how much money they've brought in or I, I, we're going to have to wait till the quarterly report to find out uh, how it impacted Disney uh, overall. But if if they didn't have enough sales from that thirty dollar premium um, to justify the budget, which I, I think was only like two hundred million against a three hundred million dollar budget or something like that. So they've actually at this point have kind of lost money on the deal. Now, certainly Mulan has gone to all the other services now to purchase. Uh, so that's going to be some of the revenue coming in. But it sounds like at most, maybe they'll break even on this. I know it it wasn't a huge, huge deal like they thought that it would be compared to like Trolls 2 or um, Onward. Was that the, is that the one that they, that they yeah, released? Yeah. 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 Or Frozen 2 or, or those kinds of things. Matthew, you had some things that you were thinking of uh, adding in. I think that what we are seeing is people actually having to accept the fact that whether they wish it, want it, do it long enough, that the theaters may not be opening as quickly as they'd hoped. And that's a good thing. I feel like that's a positive thing. Even if it means, you know, less revenue for Disney, I feel like we're kind of flying into the face of the sunk cost fallacy at this point where these companies are going to have to find a way to do something because I know I'm not going back to the theater anytime soon, and I don't think that I'm a weirdo. Well, for that. Well, I mean, you didn't you didn't go to the theater that often anyway. No, but I know but that I, there are right people that now, are just... even if I wanted to. Yeah, you can't. I'm like, yeah, no. Well, I, don't, and and I, I echo Matthew's statement as well. I'm not going to the theater anytime soon, and no, I would no, say no. we went like once or twice a month. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you guys did go to do a drive-in theater experience, but that is not the same as going to a theater. Yeah. Oh, wait, you can't go to the theaters because... AMC said if they don't open soon, they'll be completely out of money by 2021. They did get, what was it, a five, $500 million thing from a Chinese investor not too long ago. Um, was it uh, Regal Cinemas shut down uh, again? They were starting to open up back up. Uh, but it looks like the theater chains may be in severe jeopardy by the end of the year, going into the middle of next year if things don't open back up. And I can't help but wonder if this isn't, if the movie studios... Disney, especially Netflix secondary aren't okay with that because not just a year ago, it's only been like maybe six months ago, beginning of the year. Um, the, uh, the government said, Hey, it's okay to go back to vertical integration. You, you can go and own theaters if you want studios, because it's not so big a deal now. So I can't help but wonder if Disney is eyeing this as a chance to go in and swoop up or Netflix, go in and swoop up a movie theater chain to add to their, to their revenue stream see i that that just worries me i i mean i don't necessarily have a a 
like a high level understanding of it. I certainly don't have a Stephen level understanding of it. But when you say vertical integration, my first thing is like, man, antitrust lawsuit. Nope, that's the whole thing. That <laughs> was mean, the whole Disney, thing when they Disney when they said it was made no difference. Apparently, have a monopoly on the whole entertainment industry. Yet, yeah, yeah, so anything exactly. is possible. No, that was one of the things that they pointed out. They were like, eh, antitrust in this day and age is so hard to do. That we don't feel there was a whole like report that the government put out that said, yeah, we might as well just let this expire because we don't have to worry about this anymore. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, no, you definitely have to worry about this anymore. Uh, everybody's worried about Disney. And in, in, from today's announcement, uh, the stock actually went up five percent today. So there you mm. go. I don't know, man. I mean, you think back, you're like, hey, what happens if the supply chain is entirely owned by the same people? Well, and that is and a, just like. I mean, certainly we talk about this in one of my classes where we talk about, you know, one of the the drawbacks of having something um, controlled by one outlet, Disney, for example, is that mm -hmm. it can limit the content that you get. Fortunately, Disney owns Hulu, so they have an outlet for their R-rated stuff, for their Deadpool type stuff. But I don't think you're going to see Deadpool just flashing his junk on uh, on regular Disney+. Plus. Um, you right. know, especially going forward. So they're going to keep that as PG 13 friendly and below as they can. That could limit 20th century, which was 20th century Fox's ability to produce hard R stuff going forward. Uh, so yeah, it can very much limit that. And then of course, the bigger problem is if Disney does buy a theater chain, but I really think it's going to be Netflix that will buy a theater chain first. Um, what happens if Disney crumbles now? Disney's one of the bigger companies in the in the in the galaxy at the moment. Uh, but if they crumble, man, there goes everything. Yeah, but I mean, I also look at it as when I go to buy a pair of glasses, I pay four hundred dollars for some plastic wrapped around a couple of glass lenses. And part of the reason for that is that literally nine out of the 10 companies that actually make glasses are owned by the same mm -hmm. company, mm -hmm. which means they can set, you know, they can basically set the rules. They can mm -hmm. set the pricing. They can create this ridiculous structure that I have to go through just to be able to see because genetically speaking, my people are short-sighted. You know, it, it feels like having... Netflix or Disney or, you know, Marvel, Disney or, you know, WB, whoever it is, having them own that entire chain feels like an awful lot of power that could be, not necessarily will be, but could be applied in a, you know, less than positive manner for the people oh, who yeah, sure. just want to go see a movie. Yeah, sure. And I feel Definitely. like, I feel like saying, hey, vertical integration out the window just feels like, more deregulation. Oh, believe me, I am not someone that is in favor of uh, uh, dialing it back to 1920s uh, Hollywood because there's a lot of problems with that. Uh, but at the same time, it's the government that's saying, yeah, we're going to think it's OK. Maybe well, this yeah, is but a, the government also says that we can, you know, hunt baby wolves and light them on fire. If well, we really and, wanted and to. what I was getting down to is maybe this is something that people need to pay attention to when they go to the voting booth. On November 4th. Remember, the election ends on November 4th. Doesn't begin on November 4th. So go out there and vote. Vote early. Don't vote often. Only vote once. Mm -hmm. Oh, Rodrigo, I have a question for you. What's up? Uh, the, did you get to see the new Resident Alien 7-minute uh, bit that uh, dropped over the weekend over from New York Comic Con? Oh, no, I missed it. Oh, man. Alan Tudyk plays our Resident Alien. And um, 
they run literally seven minutes of the the first episode. It doesn't come out until January, I believe. Which uh, Alan is that? Is he is, is that uh, Nightcrawler or is that Wash? That is Wash. That's Wash. Okay. He's I also he's also um, Star Wars robot guy. Yeah, are you one too? No. Yeah, yeah. also King Candy. <laughs> it's also yeah, Mr. Nobody from Doom Patrol. Turbotastic! Also, uh, Bruce Wayne's cousin in Powerless. <laughs> He's also the weird pirate guy from Dodgeball. <laughs> he gets around. He does. He really does. He, I he believe did he a... was either Tucker or Dale versus Evil, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> he was also in a really cute show... This was like maybe six years ago, seven years ago. That was a, I think they kickstarted the whole thing, but it was basically a take on stars and celebrities who had to go do the convention circuit to make money. Uh, now, and I, I want to say that they had Tudyk and Nathan Fillion, Nathan Fillion in it. And that I, for, sounds I forget what the, it's called what the con man. That's what it was. Con man. That's what it was. I enjoyed that one a little bit. So. Rodrigo, you definitely, I will definitely be interested in getting your take on the Resident Alien trailer when you get a chance to see it, because the alien looks very different than maybe what we saw in the comic books. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so we were talking earlier about movies that people are watching. What are some TV shows you guys are watching right now? Right now? Yeah. Uh, pretty much reruns of everything. I, I keep meaning to watch Swamp Thing. Oh yeah. Now that CW has, you know, blinked and put it on the air. Is it on the air now? Uh yeah, it started airing like last week. Oh, but okay. I mean it's you won't like it because you have to wait a week between episodes. No, I don't. I can just jump on the dcuniverse.com and watch the entire thing. <laughs> you get it on CW Seed too. Yeah. What about you, Rodrigo? Or what are you watching? Anything? I just finished the last season of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um it was pretty good. Um, does it end well? It seems like a show that wouldn't end well. So it does. It has a fine ending. Um, and and really an ending that they... Uh, when you when, Once you see the ending, there's very little doubt that the show could have ended in any other way. They, they give you plenty of, of stuff to, to show you that that's how it's going to end. Um, but... Uh, I had previously watched the first two seasons and stopped there because I was like, this is a show about toxic people and it makes me feel weird. Um, but uh, I started watching the first season again and I was like, okay, I'm going to watch just the first season because I like the first season. And then got to the end of the first season and saw the like the thumbnails for the second season. And I was like, Oh, I love that song. And then like, I love that other song. So I started watching the second season. I'm like, the music is so good in this that it's worth watching just for that. As it turns out, the show starts addressing the toxicity within the show around the third season. Um, and into the fourth season, which the fourth season is all about, like, tying all the loose ends and everything. Uh, I, I feel a little too hard. Uh, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty satisfying viewing experience. If for no other reason that I got to watch a show that was on TV, that was on the CW, that put out, like, something like 150 songs. Oh, man. Yeah. Actually, and a I lot of them are good. A surprising amount are really good. Cool. Uh, Ashley, what are you, what are you watching? Are you watching some TV shows or is it just all horror movie month? 
<laughs> no, I'm halfway through uh, The Haunting of Blind Manor because oh. I loved uh, The Haunting of Hill House last year. Yeah. Um, sort of questionable treatment of mental health aside, I thought it was a really well-made show. And uh, I tweeted at Raul Coley that I hated him for making me cry in the third episode, and he responded very kindly. So if you like him from iZombie, uh, I truly can't recommend Blind Manor. Enough is based on Turn of the Screw. Mm-hmm. It's a little less jump scary than uh, Hill House was and a little more character driven, but I really like that new series that Netflix has been doing. So even if I wasn't doing Spooky Month, that would definitely have been something that I was checking out. Uh, and then Jason and I are like slogging through Doom Patrol because that show is sad. Oh, yeah, yeah. It does get really uh, depressing. Jason, anything else besides Doom Patrol? I've been um, watching... 12 monkeys on hulu the sci-fi series because i had watched enough of a dystopian uh apocalyptic future than what we're living well i well it's one of these things where i'd watched the first season when it first aired and i had never i liked it but i'd never gone to the other seasons and we now know a couple of people that have worked on that show and so i was getting to the point where like i needed to know the ending um, but yes, you are correct. I started that during pandemic and that show is all about a pandemic. So mm-hmm. it was a little, there were some episodes that were pretty rough, but I will say besides a Rocky first season, I'm really enjoying it. And I think it's crazy that a lot of people slept on that show because it's excellent. Yeah. So there are a couple of shows that I am watching or that I've just finished up watching. I want to come back to uh, Bly Manor here in just a minute, Ashley, but I finished watching Utopia, which is a series on, I want to say it's on Amazon prime. It's a remake. It is a remake of a British show, and I did watch the first episode of the British uh, BBC, I think it's BBC Four show, and I see where they're kind of going in both in both episodes. I know a lot of people don't like the remake, uh, even though it does have John Cusack in it um, and Rain Wilson, uh, but I really kind of enjoyed Utopia in a weird, creepy way. Again, it's probably not, I, a lot of reviewers said that this was a show that should not have come out during the time of pandemic, because again... It's about a crazy virus that is killing people who get it within like hours of getting it. And there is a weird conspiracy thing that a comic called dystopia had kind of laid the path for and given uh, clues throughout all the pages of all the upcoming viruses and pandemics and things that were coming out into the world and introducing this uh, little hero girl. And there was this huge cult following of this book. And five of them have finally gotten together because the, somebody found the follow-up comic book called Utopia, which shows what was coming next, what the next pandemic was. And as they're going through this, they're starting to look at the pages from the comic and they're starting to realize that something bad is about to drop. And again, it's this other pandemic. I don't want to give too much away. It's a little frustrating at times. It's very, very violent. I will say that. Uh, but I did find it fascinating in a weird sense. And I've, I'm one who said, who said recently that I don't really want to watch shows about pandemics during a pandemic because it's just like, uh, I don't want to be thinking about this, but this was one of those that was like hard to turn away from just because of some of the social things that they were talking about. Some of the almost very relevant current event stuff that was popping up beyond just, you know, Hey, there's this COVID-19 thing going around. But other things that were going on, it almost felt like they were embedding stuff that was, you know, shot and made like last year, but they were pulling from the headlines of today and putting it into the show that gives an, a, another kind of crazy theory. So that's one show that I've been watching. There's two other shows. I've, High Score is still one that I'm working for through, and I got to watch The Social Dilemma here pretty soon. There's two other shows that I just started. One of them is called Sneakerheads, and the only reason why I started watching this is because my oldest son 
uh, is a little bit of a sneakerhead. Uh, I've talked about our adventures a couple of years ago when we went uh, shoe shopping and how he was blowing all the the people's minds because he knew all these crazy shoes that, you know, I don't know anything about shoes. But anyway, Sneakerheads is on Netflix, and it's about a guy who used to be addicted to buying shoes and flipping shoes and making as much money as he could. And it's been five years, and now he gets sucked back into the game, and he unintentionally spends $5,000 on a locker of very rare shoes, but instead of... Having a pair of shoes, it's only the left shoe. And so the shoe collection is basically worthless. And now he has to figure out a way to get the $5,000 back into his account before his wife finds out and he gets in trouble because of his addiction resurfacing. So that is, is this very... about Andrew Fudd. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Who has more sneakers than any human being. <laughs> there, there is there. It does dive into the sneaker culture. And if people want to know what I mean by sneaker culture, jump over to that Disney Plus uh, Jeff Goldblum's uh, documentary series where he does an entire episode about sneakerheads and people that are obsessed with shoes. And that's kind of what this show is based around. It's a comedy. I'm only two or three episodes in. Uh, I probably will stick through the end of that. The other one, which I'd only discovered this past weekend as I was going through all the new stuff that dropped on Netflix in October, is one that I think anyone who enjoys food should watch. It's now two seasons in. It's called The Taco Chronicles. I know we've talked about tacos before, Rodrigo. But this one is dives deep into the culture of all the different types of tacos, the culture surrounding the different types of tacos, the different regions of Mexico where the tacos come from, uh, and just really gets into the food lover side of the taco. And this is a, a Mexican documentary series, so it is all in Spanish. It is all subtitled, but I found it fascinating. I'm like four episodes into this. They're only like 30 minute shows. What, and I'm where, just like, what's this on? Uh, it's on Netflix. It's called Taco Cro uh, Chronicles. Okay. And they go through everything. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, I didn't know that this kind of a taco existed. I wonder if our local taco truck has this kind of a taco. And my wife is like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen it there. You should ask for it next time. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go try it. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's really fascinating. I, I find it really good. And for people that are into learning about other cultures, learning where maybe some of your favorite foods come from, et cetera. Taco Chronicles is high on my list of recommendations at the moment. I want a taco. Oh, man. I finished watching that show and I was like, is the taco the first episode? And I was like, do you think the taco truck is still open? And she's like, no, I think it closed at eight. And I had to go over to, uh, what is that? Uh, K not queso. What is it? Uh, Qdoba. That's what I had to go to and had to get something there. Oh. Qdoba's tacos aren't bad. Yeah, they're all right. Well, I ended up, so I ended up getting chips and cheese is what I ordered, but they threw in some other guy's uh, giant burrito like a brick sized burrito into my bag. And free burrito. Like, well, it was a free burrito, but I felt bad because I kind of was like, it looked like they were training a bunch of new people. And I hope that the girl who threw that in my bag didn't get fired because you know, those burritos, the size of a brick, literally the size of a brick, uh, those are expensive and I don't want somebody to get fired from that. So as I ate Costs that, the store, 85 cents, it's fine. As I was eating that giant burrito the next day, <laughs> You felt really guilty. I did feel guilty. I did feel guilty. I could only eat half the burrito because it was so massive. Oh, oh my guilt. God. Half. Oh, did you throw it out? Because uh, no, I saved it and ate it the next day. That would be like the guy who ate Ross's turkey sandwich, but threw half of it out because it was quite large. All right, uh, Ashley, I've, I watched the first episode of Hill House, The Haunting of Hill House. Um, Hill House or Bly Manor? No, no, Hill House. And this okay. was like a year ago that I watched it and it was scary. There was this jump moment at the end of episode one that I was just like, Oh, I got to come back to this. And then I got distracted by something shiny. 
But I tried to tell Matthew over the weekend, I was like, oh man, I think you should watch uh, Haunting of Hill House because it's got a bunch of jump scares that I think you and your daughter would watch. And apparently you're supposed to watch super, super closely to count all the ghosts that are in the background, et cetera, et cetera. Super, super good show or not? Super, super uh, good show. Again, an indelicate handling of a major character's uh, journey with mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, really good acting, though. And the cool thing about Hill House, and then if you hop over to Bly Manor, is it is a full anthology show. So some actors carry over into different roles. And uh, dude, what played the evil white guy in Invisible Man has an array of accents. I should learn his name because he's very handsome and very talented. Uh, he's playing Scottish in Blind Manor, which is really fun. Okay. But yes, and you will, even if you're like me and you watch TV while you work, the jumpstairs will still get ya. So I wonder, is then this haunting series, because the haunting of um, Hill House and now of Bly Manor, is this trying yeah, to be Yeah, their Twitter there? account is just at haunting, so I'm guessing those are the titling uh, methods going forward. Yeah, I wonder if this is going to be their American Horror Story. Uh, as somebody who really wanted to like American Horror Story, I'm much more interested in haunting, if that's what they're going for. Okay, all right, okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here is the moment that I have been waiting for for months because this has been sitting in my inbox for months. It is the sound of peanuts falling into a dish. <laughs> no, that's my drum roll, you schmender. Oh, I thought you, you were I thought you were loading up the peanut uh, bowl again. I anyway. thought I thought it was like a bingo thing. That's okay. what I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I quit. <laughs> okay. How be fine. So, longtime friend of the show, Jimmy Dunn has come up with a quiz bowl type situation for, for us. Uh, he says, five and time, he says, done, these questions done. were used with permission from Dr. Mike Cheney, I believe is how you say his name. C H E Y N E. Minor editing was done by Jimmy Dunn to reformat and recontextualize a few clues. Here are the instructions. This is really important. Okay. Each question has five clues of progressively easier difficulty. An incorrect answer on one clue does not preclude the, pl- oh, well, I'm going to say it will preclude the player from continuing to attempt further clues. But if, if you guys want to continue to play, we can. But an incorrect answer on one clue does not preclude the player from continuing to uh, attempt further clues. So here's an example. Your five-point clue is, uh-huh. this character is known as Effie in Israel and Holger in Denmark. He appears in the Simpsons episode Bart's Comet, Comet as one of the people seeking shelter in Ned Flanders's bomb shelter. So if you know, you can just shout out your name and I'll call on you if you get it right. You'll get five points. If no one calls out their name, I'll go to the four-point clue. His first appearance resulted in some controversy over accusations that a topless woman was drawn into a beach scene. Still no guesses. We go to the three-point clue. That appearance was basically uh, plotless with the basic idea that he was going on holiday. His second appearance involved time travel where he hobnobs at such uh, violent scenes as the Crusades and the fall of the Aztecs. Jason. Jason. I'm going to give a guess for Hagar the Horrible. Not Hagar the Horrible. Okay. The two-point clue. This character owns a dog named Woof and matches wits with the nefarious Oddlaw. Matthew? Matthew? Is it Waldo? It is Waldo. So in this case, Matthew would get the two points. The one-point question was, identify this picture book character who always wears glasses in a red and white striped shirt. Okay. So... That was hard. It was hard, wow. right? I uh, I joked that I was going to lose this earlier. I'm definitely going to lose this. Oh, I'm definitely going to win, but it's going to be hard fought. 
That's that's why I wanted to get as many people on the show as possible. We should have got Jay Washington on the show this week <laughs> as well, because he was just on um, Jason, Ashley, I'm just writing everybody's names down here, Rodrigo and Matthew. My name is Matthew. Hello. Oh, I, feel, I feel like I'm at a disadvantage because my name is three syllables. Well, I'll be, uh, I'll try <laughs> well, to just, you know. You know. I will listen neither, to whoever speaks Neither you first. nor I allow people to shorten our names, so we're kind of hoist by our own petards here, man. Yeah. Here we go. Question number one. Can I shout one. someone else's name? Sure. <laughs> you can say Bob. Bill. <laughs> Elvis. Jason. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's All my right. favorite name too, Rodrigo. <laughs> I, I really love I really love this. There's 20 questions, so let's let's get through these. Sure. Question number one. Early appearances of this character, this is the five-point question. Early appearances of this character saw him teamed with the Constrictor and battling Iron Fist, Power Man, and Spider-Man, all heroes he is not associated with now. Matthew. Matthew. Sabertooth. Correct. Man, That's gonna be my guess too. Five points. <laughs> Yeah, me faster. too, for sure. <laughs> uh, also, we've accepted uh, Victor Creed. Uh, I, I'm not going to go into the other clues. I think we'll save that uh, just to make people spin just a little bit. So we're going to jump down into question two. Warning. First and last name required on this one. First and last name required. Five-point clue. This man married Dr. Carolyn Fields, a, hypo, a hypnotherapist who eventually died from a disease similar to ALS. Prior to this, he had been married to Laura, who died in a car accident on the way home from a picnic. Four-point question. In his last adventure, this man apparently dies when he falls a great distance out of an exploding plane. Uh, Rodrigo? Rodrigo. Who is... David Banner. Correct. Four points for Rodrigo. Wow. Yep. That was, uh, yeah. What gave it away, Rodrigo? Was it the, the wives' names? Nope. I remember that the Hulk dies by falling off a plane. Yep. Oh, yep. Well In the death of the Incredible Hulk. Death of the Incredible yeah. Hulk. Yep. Good job, and everybody. the hardest thing was, I couldn't remember if he was David or Bruce <laughs> in the show. <laughs> that's why that was, that gave me the most pause. Yep, that's why I had to have the first and last name. Okay, here we go on to question three. Five point clue: This character never received his own solo comic book until a 1983 limited series. Ashley. Ashley. Uh, Robin. No, incorrect. You can still you can still answer. No, it was nineties. That's why. <laughs> okay, you can still answer though. Uh, going. No, forward. I definitely can't. <laughs> <laughs> Four-point question. In Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns, this man is seen minus an arm, which is implied to be the work of Superman. Jason. Ashley. Jason. Oliver Queen. Green that Arrow. is correct. Oliver Green Queen Arrow. or Green Arrow would be acceptable on that. Jason on the board with four points. I thought you were maybe going to try to trick us with the Joker. No. no. Joker got his own solo book in he's, 76. He's seen without a head at the end of The Dark Knight. <laughs> Missing both his eyes and paralyzed. <laughs> the Joker. <laughs> Breaking his own neck. Question number four, the five-point clue. This comic book parody video game, Nightshade, featured a villain who took the appearance of his entity and used one of his alternate names. Four-point clue. An entity with his name with this name created that created the helmet of power wielded by Paul Destine. Or Destine. Matthew. Matthew. I can't remember if it's Set or Seth. 
Uh, Set is the correct answer. Seth is also acceptable. Okay. So, uh, so yes, um, that is the Conan the Barbarian character. Yep. Question number five, five point clue. This man illustrated a comic adaptation of the Disney film, The Black Hole, for a Disney syndicated comic strip. Matthew. Matthew. Jack Kirby. Correct. It's uh, a black anyone, hole question. If anyone answers with uh, Joe Simon for Young Romance, the earlier clues have ruled him out. Ooh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, question number six, five-point clue. In a series of Silver Age storylines, this character married a woman named Ardora uh, and, be- and became a hero to an alien civilization, A-R-D-O-R-A. Matthew. Matthew. Who is Lex Luthor? That is correct. Guys, guys, come on. You probably don't have to answer in the form of a question. Yeah, that's fine. What I'm is, sure. because I want to. Uh, question number seven. Question number seven. Five-point clue. During one period, this character became a boutique owner and trained under the tutelage of the Chinese sage Ai Ching. Matthew. Matthew. Who is Wonder Woman? That is correct. Ah, Jimmy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back on you and say, man, maybe this wasn't such a great quiz if Matthew knows them all by the first clue. Ah, Jimmy. Anyway, he's doing a great I mean, job. I mean, do, let's be honest here. Did we think anybody but Matthew was going to win this quiz? I, I mean, I mean, really unless good. we make a hard ride into Pokemon, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless all these questions start becoming these, about, like, Nightwing or something. These you know? are tough. I mean, these are tough oh, They're questions. hard. Yeah, they, they are hard. Um, especially in the five-point category. Question number eight. Five point clue. This character has a nerdy cousin named Marcy, who is a big fan of science fiction, as well as another cousin named Leroy, who is a devious prankster. Four point clue. An Australian pop rock band consisting of the originally Osseo sisters. I think that's how you say it. Has taken their name from this character and has actually encountered her in several storylines. Three-point clue. This character runs a blog in which she has discussed riding a horse named Bella and wished happy birthday to Chuck Clayton. Two-point clue. The daughter of Hiram and Hermione, she first appeared in... Ashley! Ashley. Veronica Lodge. Correct. Yes! Ashley on the board. Nice. I couldn't think if it was Veronica or Betty. Uh, identify this character from the Archie universe who plays the keyboard in the Archies and is the romantic rival of Betty Cooper would be the one point clue. Uh, question number nine. Everybody is on the board. Good job, everybody. Question <laughs> number Yay, nine. Everybody. Five point clue. Go team. One member of this group is the Atlantean Murano, who was a disgruntled childhood playmo- playmate of Namor's. Another member of this group is John Fallsworth, who once met Count Dra- Dracula in Transylvania. Menudo. No. <laughs> Four point Not clue. Menudo. Yet another member of this group eventually became a researcher of bees, and then the supervillains swarm upon the group's disillusion. Three point Matthew. clue. Matthew. <laughs> what is the Nazi party? That is correct. Oh wow. my god! It was that generic? <laughs> oh my god! I knew that the makes sense. was a Nazi. The Lots of, of this, Nazis in the Marvel Universe. The yep. leader of this group eventually became the villainous hate monger. Ooh. Yep, that's that's it. The Nazi party. Um, also would accept obvious equivalents, but I don't think there is an obvious equivalent in the Nazi party in Marvel, is there? Uh, unless you count Hydra. And Maybe. Yeah, that was much more of a latter-day thing of, like, 
bring making Hydra the generic Marvel Nazis. Mm-hmm. All right, question yeah, ten and Nazis. the halfway point of the game. Five point clue. The child of German immigrants, this character bequeathed his inherited fortune to charity, saving he would demonstrate the possibility of achieving anything from nothing. Jason. Jason. It's Ozymandias. Correct, Jason. Nicely done. That was a hard one. Uh, Let's see. Question number 11. Five point clue. The last issue of this comic was a, bl- was a blank, all white background with the word think written in black type in the center. Some Grant Morrison nonsense. (laughs) Four-point clue. One of the most famous issues of this comic tells the tale of an assistant copy boy who matches wits with Billy Spaffon, a boy reporter with the devious secret identity of Captain Marbles. Matthew. Matthew. What is Mad Magazine? Correct. Wow. 12-point question. Uh, Let's see. What was the one point? Identify this EC satirical comic which still exists today, although in a magazine form whose comic form never featured Alfred E. Newman? Uh, that's a good question. Question number 12, five-point clue. During the Marvel vs. DC crossover, this man purchased the Daily Planet and replaced Perry White with J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, Rodrigo? Yes. Lex Luthor? Incorrect. Matthew? Matthew. Morgan Edge? Incorrect. Four-point clue. A supporter of Randolph Cherry... For the majority of New York, he is also the father of the schemer. Alongside his son, he served as the puppet head of the Las Vegas division of Hydra before he realized he was being used by the Red Skull. Matthew? Matthew? Who is Silvermane? Incorrect. Three-point clue. A wealthy spice merchant, he married his wife when she was still a teenager. This man has employed the answer and is a major rival of Silvermane. Matthew? Rodrigo. Give it to Rodrigo. Rodrigo. The Owl. Incorrect. Ah. Matthew. Matthew. Wilson Fisk. Correct. The Kingpin. The Kingpin Good of Lord. Crime. That took way too much time. Makes sense. Identify the number one number one clue would be identify this major Marvel Comics villain, the bald and corpulent head of a major crime empire. Big fat guy in purple pants. Yes. Question number 13. Everybody having fun so far? Ashley, you having fun? Heck yeah. All right. Jason? Yeah, let's keep going. Taco. Okay. You're in second place. <laughs> yeah! Go, Jason! Bill! Although, one, Ted. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You would have to get every single question correct, oh, Jason. Don't do that. At the five-point level to beat Matthew. Don't put the hoodoo on him. Oh, boy. I'm just saying that's where, that's where we're stacking up right now. Well, we know where this game's going to go. <laughs> Jason's got this. Jason's good. Question 13. I'm going to I'm gonna task Jimmy because I know he's listening. Jimmy, next one, you've got to do movies and then do another one Ooh. with TV and then do another one with video games. Yeah. And we will that do those fun. all on the show. I'll come back for every one of those. Yeah, that does definitely. sound like fun. Question number 13, five-point clue. In one storyline, this character wonders why superheroes can't fight more realistic villains and not, quote, evil maniacs with grandiose plans to destroy the world, unquote. Four-point clue. That musing prompts another character to sarcastically suggest using the bat facts to send a letter to the editor. Ooh. Three-point clue. Despite such ponderings, this character himself has a superhero alter ego who he said, who is said to be, quote, the masked man of Megamite, unquote, 
yet who has only won, quote, moral victories over such opponents as Annoying Girl and Mom Lady. Rodrigo? Rodrigo. Chronic? Nope. Oh, sounded like a clerk's thing. It did. Also, I don't remember which one's Blunt Man and which one's Chronic. <laughs> Two-point clue, along with that alter ego, Stupendous Man, this character has also taken up such identities as Tracer Bullet, and most famously, Spaceman Spiff. Rodrigo. Matthew. Rodrigo. Uh, who is Calvin? Correct. Um, question number 14. Uh, this character, this is the five-point clue, this character was originally going to be a woman whose husband is hit by a cab and killed while the driver is distracted by a certain superhero, Causing the woman to seek revenge. Rodrigo. Rodrigo. Wee Huey. No. Four point clue. This character was instead given a different identity and was connected to a storyline involving the serial killer Sin Eater. Matthew. Matthew. Who is Venom? Correct. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Question number 15. Five point clue. One issue of this comic featured the main villain being apparently assassinated by a Denver auto mechanic who then promptly posed as the villain for many issues before being killed himself by the resurrected bad guy. Wait, can you read that question again? One issue of this comic featured the main villain being apparently assassinated by a Denver auto mechanic who then promptly posed as the villain for many issues before being killed himself by the resurrected bad guy. Matthew. Matthew. Hopgoblin. No. Okay. Clue four. Four point clue. That storyline also featured, featured the deaths of such unmemorable characters as Captain Min, Voltar, Crockmaster, and Raptor. Oh, Matthew. Matthew. Who is Cobra Commander? Yes, but it, yes, I will accept that because I know that that is who uh, this one is. It's the answer is G.I. Joe, but I know it's Cobra Commander. Yeah. So, asking for the, you're asking what comic, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One issue of this comic. Uh, yeah. Give him the yeah. point. G.I. Joe. All right. We'll give him one point. point. We'll give him half one point. point. That's fine. Question 16. In one of this character's earliest appearances, he quits superheroics to work at his cousin Bones's circus. Four point clue. Some of this character's romantic partners have included the alien healer Zaji, aspiring actress Julie Angel, and longtime girlfriend Doris Evans, who frowned on him being a superhero. Matthew. Matthew. Johnny Storm, the Human Torch. Correct. That was a four-point clue. Question number 17. Clue five. One member of this species had a humorous secret origin in which he was injected with a super soldier serum by Dr. Anibalus. <laughs> Four-point four clue. Another member of this species boasted a prominent star-shaped marking on his forehead, which necessitated the wearing of a hood. Rodrigo? Rodrigo. Cree? Nope. Three-point clue. A third member of this species had the secret identity skip and wore a disguise of a brown dye patch. I think it's supposed to be a brown eye patch, but maybe it's a brown, brown dye patch. An entire group of... The, that's what I need on the top of my head is a brown dye patch. Uh, a third member of this species had the secret identity skip and wore a disguise of a brown dye patch. An entire group Matthew. of this... Matthew. 
What is dog? Correct. What, uh, I don't know. I think he's just dog. These are all just dog. Yeah, they're, yeah they're just yeah. dogs. Identify this species whose members include Ace Rex and the most famously Crypto. Yeah. Question number 18. Five point clue. A comic with his with this name appeared for seven issues in the 1960s, telling the adventures of a Western superhero, Carter Slade. Matthew. Matthew. Ghost Rider. Correct. Uh, question number 19. During a brief stint in the 1970s, this character had his own solo comic book, which lasted a mere nine issues. In the first comic that he appeared, this character was going to die after accidentally stabbing himself, but was thankfully spared. Matthew. Matthew. The Joker? That is correct. Hmm. I literally just referenced that earlier in the show. Thankfully. We are now on to the final question, which I think that's what uh, Rodrigo's uh, audio is in just a little bit early. I think Jason's got this. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, let's see. Yeah, I think Jason's got this. Yeah. Hey, now wait a minute. Question number 20. Five-point clue. In one of this character's appearances, he is blamed for the disappearance of John Hawks' cattle, but helps reveal the true culprits, Lefty and Bill. Four-point question. In another appearance, he six, and we're looking for a character here. Four-point clue. In another appearance, he successfully helps put an end to the long war between the Megans and the Badens, or maybe it's Megans and the Badens. I'm just going to say random guess, Jason. Yes, Jason. Jonah Hex? No. All right. Three-point clue. This character has battled the pre-human anthropoid Yetrigar, the mad scientist Dr. Demonicus, and the giant robot Red Ronin, which was piloted by the nephew of its creator, Dr. Takagachi. Or Gucci, yes. Godzilla. Correct. There you go. So let's uh, count this up. Godzilla! You sure it's not Jonah Hex? It should be Jonah Hex. In the the last issue, this is the two-point clue. In the last issue of his original comic, he is asked to leave America before someone gets hurt and obliges by wandering into the ocean. In the first issue, he explodes out of an iceberg off the coast of Alaska and begins his trek across the United States. I mean, that's definitely Jonah Hex. It could be, except for when we get to number one. Identify this gigantic dinosaur-like lizard. The doctor, and I feel like it still works. (laughs) All right, so here we go. I'm not going to count up Matthew's uh, points. One, two, three, four, five, six, thirty, three, seventy-two, seventy-six, uh, eighty. One, two, three, eighty-nine. Ninety points for Matthew. Really good. Well done. Yeah. Uh, so ninety points for Matthew, which is interesting because coming in in second place with one tenth of that Ashley, score, Jason is Jason with nine points. Jason! Yeah! And then uh, coming in right behind that with six points is Rodrigo and Ashley coming in uh, in our fourth place, not last, but fourth, with two points. So, good job, everybody. Ashley You guys have fun? You know, cool. Oh, no, no. She is is the true star of the show. Everyone knows that. She's probably the coolest of us. Oh, boy, you guys must not look at Twitter! She is the only reason why people come and listen to the show. I, that's for a fact. That is a hundred percent the fact. Yeah. <laughs> we, we like Ashley. You we know, do. She's and our if friend people don't like Ashley, then uh, there's something wrong with you because she is a, 
She is a national treasure from Canada. She's, we'll she's soon, descended from Martin Frobisher. But will soon be a national treasure from America. That was, very, that was impossibly hard. That, that was really, really deep cut. It, it so really well done. Was, right? Those were some So that's why I'm saying, Jimmy, here's your task. We need one for TV. We need one for movies. And we need one for video games. Yep. I'm sure Jimmy can I do will, this. I will say this. A lot of times on the internet when I go and they're like, hey, here's a really super hard superhero trivia quiz. And I crack my knuckles and go, no, it isn't. That was that was genuinely challenging. Yeah, that was fun. I mean, there were I mean, uh, just to show you how challenging this is, uh, Matthew only got one point because of uh, the G.I. Joe thing. Right. But there are several times where we got down to the two and three point clues before people guessed it. Yeah. So I say that was a good job. And those, uh, those are very, very well constructed questions. And I remember when Jimmy first, sent, I mean, think, I think Jimmy sent this to me like 2015. June? When was the last time we did a trivia contest? It was probably the last time we did a general, a general uh, talk because I ran through a bunch of stuff and I was like, man, these, these trivia these are questions are blah. These are not good at all. Right. And then that's when Jimmy slid into my timelines, July. Yeah, July I've, is when he slid into my Discord uh, timeline and said, hey, try this out. That I've seems to not to right. say that. Uh, because one of my coworkers and I were, were texting today, and she said something about Facebook. And I'm like, yeah, I'll slide into your DMs. And she's like, don't say that. I'm like, okay, that means something, apparently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, somebody hitting on you with you sometimes oh, some skeevy stuff. Well, definitely don't want to do that, jeez. Yeah, don't do that. Did you guys have fun? Everybody had fun tonight? Did everybody wang yeah, chung tonight? Everybody have fun tonight. Ashley, where can people find more of your awesome stuff? And do you have anything that you would like uh, people to go check out and maybe purchase? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram all the time at Ashley V. Robinson. The V is very important. And Jupiter Jet and the Forgotten Radio has gone to print. And she is going to be coming out on November 11th. Oh Mark your calendars. Tell your comic shops. Uh, please check out our sophomore graphic novel. She's going to be a good time. And by sophomoric, you mean it's your second volume, not that it's just a joke. <laughs> yes. Also, because science was technically our sophomore graphic novel. This is a sophomore installment <laughs> in the Jupiter Jet uh, multimedia franchise. Jason Inman, thank you for coming and hanging out with us. I know you're a super busy guy doing all the super busy things. Where can people find more of you and what do you want people to go and look at? Well, if you want to hear more about the adventures of Jonah Hex and Godzuki, then uh, <laughs> come follow me over at Twitter and Instagram at Jawin, J-A-W-I-I-N. And of course, Ash and I do a podcast together. It's on the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. It's called Geek History Lesson. comes out every single week. This week is about Mara. And uh, I ask you, that's not this every year. Um, the Comic Drive for Service Members is coming back. It's been renamed the Jawin Charity Drive for service members. And uh, go follow me because more details are coming soon. It's going to be pretty cool what we're pulling off this year. Oh, yeah. I, I know some things, but I've, I've been sworn to secrecy. Uh, you guys are going to want to follow Jason for when this announcement comes out because it's going to be cool. Also, go yep. check out this week's uh, Geek History Lesson, issue 333, all about Mira. And you have a special guest, Daniel Page coming and hanging out with you guys. Yep. And she was lovely. And, uh, you know, she, she floated to the top with quality. Nice. Uh, Matthew, where can people find you? 
Find me at Mighty King Cobra on the Twitter. Please, please, please hit me up with things that you might want to see 10 of and or really, really bad comics that you'd like to see me cover for Why Do You Hate Me at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash major spoilers. And finally, Rodrigo, where can people find more of you? Uh, you can find me primarily at Fearsome Critter on Twitter. I'm there a lot. Um, and also, uh, a few years ago, I wrote a book. So if you search uh, The Tale of Tallest Rabbit on Amazon, you'll find something I wrote there. Hey, listen, everybody, the holidays are coming up. And if you're looking for a book for a younger reader, then would you say it's YA or would you say it is a young reader? It's middle, it's middle grade, middle grade I think okay. is what it's called. Um, so you can definitely read it to younger kids. It's it's young kid friendly, mm-hmm. but you're, you know, uh, I would say 11, 12, 13 year olds can start cracking into it. There you go. And here's what you want to do. You want to order early because we don't know what's going on with the Postal Service. So if you're looking for a for a, a, a good book for that middle age reader, you want to go and order it. You can use the link at Majorspoilers.com, the Amazon.com link over at Amazon.com to make that purchase. Again, it's The Tale of Tallest Rabbit from Rodrigo Lopez. Uh, it's not going to cost you anything extra by using that link. A little bit comes back our way, and then I can spread that wealth around to everybody come holiday time when we send out paychecks. So there you go. You can find more of Major Spoilers, of course, at Majorspoilers.com. You can email us, podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Our Twitter is at Majorspoilers. Our Instagram is at Majorspoilers. And as as Matthew mentioned, if you enjoyed the show and want to see more of this stuff, then uh, check out our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash Majorspoilers, where for a mere $5 a month, you can get access to that pre-show where we talk scary movies, kids. All right, that wraps it up this week. We're going to be back next week to talk more geeky stuff because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, they kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine Be in the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.